Ever since the 16th century, when the church was canonizing a saint, a person would be appointed to be the skeptic, or argue against the potential saint. This person was known as the Devil's Advocate. Today I will play the part of the Devil's Advocate. I'm Nick Bortensky. Welcome to Devil's Advocate. I'm Kyle Hyman here with Nick Bortensky. You ready for this, Nick? Never ready for this. Good. Here we go. Christianity isn't easy. And some might think, oh, that's obvious. Some might think, yeah, but that's not what I was promised. Because I think a lot of times whenever we hear about, oh, God is an all-loving God, he's all-merciful, and all you have to do is commit yourself to Christ and you're good, especially with the kind of once saved, always saved, like once you're in, you're in, piece of cake. But along with being a Christian comes sacrifice and also suffering because our God suffered. I mean, mm-hmm. he really kind of set the bar and the example of this isn't going to be easy. It wasn't easy for him and he was perfect. It's certainly not going to be easy for us and we're imperfect. And not only in the fact of persecution and, you know, we might not be rich just because we're Christian or everything go our way and we don't have to suffer, but also with the difficulty of living the Christian life. The idea of the path to heaven is a narrow one or a narrow gate Mm -hmm. and path to hell is wide. And I think a lot of times we reverse this in the way we pitch Christianity is that most people are going to heaven and that's the easy thing to do uh, when that's actually not what we were promised. We were never promised that the Christian life would be easy, only that it would be worth it, that making the sacrifices and the suffering that we endure on earth would be worth it to be able to spend eternity with God in heaven. Yeah, and I think the only way I'm really going to be able to argue this is to be extremely skeptical. Okay. Um, and to kind of almost take some things out of context, in all honesty, because that's, I mean, the way that the church teaches this, we've got it pretty locked airtight. If you're actually following the teachings of the church and doing your research. Okay. So, here, I'll take a bit of the catechism out of context. All right, <laughs> I'll, I'll actually hit you with that, but it's okay. Again, remember, I'm devil's advocate, so this is what I do. So, CC 982, there is no offense, however serious, that the church cannot forgive. There is no one, however wicked and guilty, who may not confidently hope for forgiveness, provided his repentance is honest. Christ, who died for all men, desires that in his church, the gates of forgiveness should always be open to anyone who turns away from sin. Okay. You could take it out of context and think, okay, so all you have to do is honestly repent from your sins at the end of your life. As long as you're baptized. Okay, you're good. You're going to heaven. That seems pretty easy. So I could live a wicked life throughout my entire life. And as long as I actually repent at the end, oh, easy peasy, I'm in in heaven. Christianity is easy. It's fine. All I have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and turn to him at the end. So receiving mercy is easy, actually. I mean, we just have to ask for it and be sincere and repentive. Uh, actually, on yesterday's show, I had a quote from St. Wolfrand who said, I wasn't thinking I would have to bring this up so quickly, but since you said we can be kind of what they would call a, like a deathbed confessional, like mm-hmm. do whatever you want. And then as long as you confess at the end of your life, yeah. you're forgiven and you go to heaven. But St. Wolfrand, 
which is just a cool name to begin with, said, do not neglect the grace that is offered to you. The God who offers the sinner pardon does not promise him tomorrow. So yes, God offers us forgiveness, but he doesn't promise that there'll be a chance to do that tomorrow. So we can't just put off until the end because we might not get that long. And so we have to be constantly called and responding to conversion. And so constantly asking for forgiveness, constantly trying to live the Christian life and making the sacrifices that it may take to live that life, giving up some of the pleasures of this world for the greater good. And I think what a lot of people look at when it comes to Christianity is Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. for us. So really, how many sacrifices do we have to make at this point? I mean, Christ made the ultimate one. And as long as you turn to him and believe in him, you know, that ultimate sacrifice you don't have to make of being able to have the forgiveness of sins. And so people feel like, oh, I don't have to work as hard. Christ kind of did it for me. So now I just have to love God the Father, believe in Jesus Christ, and, you know, live a half-decent life. Right. And I think that is what a lot of people are either believing that Christianity is or pitching Christianity in sometimes being deceived themselves and sometimes being deceptive, but sometimes just trying to win somebody over. You don't want to overwhelm somebody. You don't want to say like, hey, come be a Christian. It's going to ruin your life. But in actuality, there's a guy, I was at this conference, Enny Hickman was hosting the conference and he invites people to stand up if you are, are willing to give your life over to Christ. And like, you're, you're in, like, I'm, I'm going to do this or whatever. And like almost everybody stands up and he just yells at them and says, sit back down. And everybody sits down like, what is going on here? And he's like, I don't think you will know what you're getting yourself into. If you're saying that I will do whatever God calls me to do, like it's going to ruin your life. All the plans that you have are out the window because now you're saying God's will be done. Not to say that you won't have joy, not to say that God won't bless you in many amazing ways when you're following him, but we have to die to self in order to live in Christ. And the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross was not so that we wouldn't have to sacrifice, was not so that we wouldn't have to suffer, but it was to set an example of this is what it means to love somebody else. And so if we love others, if we love God, it's going to require sacrifice. And he set that example of this is what it looks like. And so whenever we hear that Ephesians quote and everybody gets upset about it, that wives need to be submissive to their husband. But then it says the husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church, which is to give your entire life and to suffer whatever it takes for the other. And so that, that example is not to let us off scot-free. Sure. It takes away a penalty of sin that we could never repay, but it ultimately sets the example of this is what it's going to mean to follow me. And the early disciples knew this really well because most of them, you know, maybe John excluded had the same fate of being tortured to death. And so while we won't experience that most likely as American Catholics, we are going to have to suffer in different ways and we are going to have to make sacrifices if we want to follow 
in Christ's example. Yeah. And I think one more example that I'll kind of put forward is uh, if you look at the you know parable of the prodigal son, he uh, did everything wrong. Yep. And his father knew that. And so when the son returns, the father rejoices and sets a feast because the son has turned back to the father, sure. just as we should turn back to God. And, you know, the person who is living, let's, let's say the other son who is living a devout Christian life is very mm-hmm. jealous of that. Oh, I have been doing everything you've asked me to, Father. Yet this person who has gone away from you and done everything against what you say we should do is welcomed with open arms. And so I feel like a lot of people also see it, Christianity has that ability to create that jealousy hmm. where you could live a devout Christian life every single day of your life. And somebody who has been wicked has either murdered someone or committed the worst of sins. If they are forgiven by God, they turn to God with full repentance. They are going to the same place that you would be as well. And I think that's also what a lot of people struggle with when it comes to Christianity. Well, the one thing I don't think we talk about is the jealousy of the prodigal son himself, that he is eating pig food and he's jealous of his brother who didn't make the same mistakes that he had and gets to be with his father, not expecting to be welcomed back like he was, Mm -hmm. but obviously not in a better place. You know, I mean, not realizing, and I think a lot of times we don't realize how low we've gotten and how much sin is hurting us. And in turning to God and getting rid of that sin, we won't deal with the pain of sin, but we will have to deal with the suffering that is involved with sacrificing and denying our temptations and our desires. Yeah. And if you're living a devoutly Christian life, you're also knowing at that point, God is an all forgiving God and I can live the best life I can and somebody wicked can get there at the same time. But that's because I believe in this all-forgiving God. And so you really shouldn't be letting jealousy in at that point. So, just saying. So, thank you, Nick, for joining us for another episode of Devil's Advocate. Are we on the same page then? I think I'll have to agree to disagree on this one, Kyle.